Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. You're listening to Yellow Wall Podcast. Faster than a cheetah. More muscle-bound than a gorilla. More agile than a great white shark. Swooping overhead. Feasting on our streets. The Pigeon. All right, this is a special little Yellow Wallpot episode. I'm joined by the one and only Archie Runtut. Hello, Archie. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. Very tired after a long <laughs> Bundesliga weekend, but always happy to talk to you, my friend. Yes, Archie, uh, who did you work for this this time today when you went to Hanover to cover the uh, relegation dogfight between Hanover and Schalke 04? I was on duty for Fox Sports, talking about Hanover's 50 plus one struggles um, and how Schalke are having the second worst ever season in their history. Um, you don't have to snigger too much yourself. Um, I, I, I feel a bit sorry for them, to be honest. Um, given That's fair enough, but I, I have you here so you can tell me the contrast between what happened on Saturday and what happened <laughs> to you and what the experience was. I, do, you, do you really need me to tell you that, that Dortmund are having a better season than Schalke? <laughs> I, I think people still like to hear that, yes. <laughs> I, um, it's, if, 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 if you want to... If you want to really wallow in in your art rival's misery, um, then I would say that the thing that Schalke lack, in comp particularly in comparison to the teams that Klopp built, is that that Tedesco side last season was a side that wasn't playing particularly good football, but always got the result. Whereas Jurgen Klopp's Dortmund were always having the most amazing time going on a ridiculous journey. I, I, the games, the, the way that they flowed was just so up and down and the, the, the results came um, for it, it, like it all came together for a certain amount of time. But when the results weren't there, it was okay because you still had the journey. The problem that Schalke have had is that once they took away the results at the start of this season, then there was really nothing left. Um, and I think that that's probably what's done for Tedesco as well, um, is that there is nothing really to see in terms of in terms of the, the, their style of play. I but I think you deny yourself any sort of rhythm, and it, it showed in the way that Schalke played, in the fact that they've used twelve different formations since the start of the season under Tedesco. No wonder that you have such tactical confusion. I think. Uh, amongst the players so yeah um I, i i'm intrigued to see what direction Schalke are going to take next and it's all the more difficult i think because of having to try and compete in the shadow of of dortmund's relative success um even though dortmund uh, as, as you know yourself have spent um, very close to the amount that Bayern Munich have uh, since the 2013 Champions League final. Obviously, it helps Bayern the fact that they are able to hang on to their star players um, and indeed buy Dortmund's best ones, um, such as the way that this particular food chain in the Bundesliga works. Um, but still, it's, it's no small outlay. And actually, if, you, if you're looking at that, then you would say that 
Um, it's still kind of surprising that Dortmund, it's taken as long as it has now for Dortmund to mount such a close title challenge really since then. Yes, indeed. Dortmund are finally back on top after this match day with two points because Bayern uh, were held to a 1-1 draw in Freiburg. Um, however, Archie, since I'm sitting here in Philadelphia and you were in the Westfalenstadion on Saturday, you need to be my eyes and ears a little bit now and, and just talk me through how the atmosphere was because I've heard and read and seen that it was spectacular. The, the game basically started with a TIFO, which uh, read, as child, my father took me to the games as his father did with him. That's uh, a translated lyric from a from a, a Dortmund song that's just called Borussia. <laughs> um, so, going by that, did you did you think that made this game a little bit more special just from the get go, or how was the atmosphere in the ground? It certainly made things crackle a little bit straight after kickoff. I was talking to my colleague from Die Welt newspaper who was sitting next to me. And it did, particularly in the first 15, 20 minutes, every time Dortmund went forward, it felt a little bit louder than earlier in the season. I, th I think we placed it in our top three atmospheres that we'd heard this season. <laughs> well, unfortunately, there was not much going forward, to be honest. The first shot on target came <laughs> in the 62nd minute. There wasn't. But there continue. Wasn't. There were movements towards goal, though. Um, but and and it was it was notable how excited the crowd were getting. But it almost seemed like the crowd were pacing themselves as well. They know when this Lucien Favre side is going to strike, and and such is his way. It almost like I mean I'm I'm, I'm something of a basketball novice, but from what I've <laughs> learned about the sport, like like a very good basketball team, they wait until the final quarter and then they strike. And and in the final 15 minutes, the crowd started to bubble up that little bit more. And even though you wouldn't say that Dortmund able to build any real spell of sustained pressure where you thought that they were coming close on each occasion. Well, arguably Wolfsburg had the better chances with all the crosses right. that just ran past the goal mouth of Roman Burki's goal. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, 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 think, I think that was the case until that free kick was awarded by Marco Schmidt. And then, and then came perhaps uh, the, uh, the wall with... Uh, yeah, the, the most distance between it and the taker. I don't know. I, I like immediately as it was about to be taken, I took a picture of, of of that distance because it did seem really quite a long way. Um, but then when that goal went in, just watching the sea of limbs on the <laughs> Zutribuna, I just I I didn't watch the celebrations on the pitch. I just watched that, and I as a football fan. I mean, I'd already had the chance to experience uh, something similar with Fortuna Köln in the uh, Mittel Rhein Pokal uh, quarterfinals on, on Tuesday night. It was nearly as spectacular as that. A uh, 96 minute winner that was, but I don't think people care about that. Um, this was this was really quite something to see, and third game in a row now that Dortmund have won it very late on against Stuttgart, an 84th minute goal to go in front. There, then the 92nd minute winner against Hertha. Now this, 
add to that, turning the game around very late on against Leverkusen earlier in the season, plus that 96th minute winner from Alcacer again uh, against Augsburg. And you're talking about 10 points here that Dortmund have taken in the last five minutes of games. So I think it's now influencing the crowd's reactions as well. And uh, But the team at no point, I thought, seemed to be wobbling. They, they seemed pretty calm, even though that they weren't making much headway. I think it says something about that this belief that they have in, in playing Favre's way in that they know that they will get their chance. And uh, OK, I think that that it's denied something when Marco Royce isn't there. But at, at the same time, I thought that both team and and the fans were as one on Saturday in being calm. Like, OK, Jaden Sancho had a few runs that they didn't quite work out, for example. I think he's in a bit of a form hole at present right now, even if he did set up the final goal on, on Saturday. Um, but but there was nothing too overreactionary. And actually, I'll, I'll finish my point with this. One of my favourite moments was actually when the news of Bayern's equaliser came through on the big screen because there was no massive groan People were just very silent and said nothing, as if that they didn't want to let the team know that Bayern had scored, as if <laughs> as if to go like, oh god, right, we don't want to affect anyone's performance. Let's just pretend nothing's happened. Whereas I think in previous, I don't know, in in, in other grounds, for example, when reacting to that, there would have been a big kind of, oh man, what what's what's going on? So yeah, I, I think that um, for for as much as I think uh, Dortmund doubters may want to play down this relationship between the team and the fans. I think that there is something there. And uh, I think that that goal against Hertha the other week was a real turning point. And you feel that the pendulum has swung back in Dortmund's favour again. Well, listeners might remember the last episode I recorded with, with Konstantin Eckner. And we were sort of talking about the effect that Bayern going out in the Champions League might have because my theory was always that Bayern were like very tensed up for the big occasion and uh, you know we we both sort of gambled on maybe after the international break um, you know this tension is completely dropped because the players had some distance between them and going going out of the Champions League and maybe they just will not steamroll every opponent like five nothing six nothing which in fairness could have happened at the uh, uh in Istanbul, but mm -hmm. it, it did not so um maybe maybe this is a uh, part of the pendulum swimming swinging maybe a little bit into Dortmund's favor but um more importantly I think I agree with you and if we stay in that basketball analogy Dortmund really have perfected the, the buzzer beater so to speak mm -hmm. um Paco Alcasa I think scored the Eighth or the seventh and eighth goal um, in stoppage time for Dortmund, and I think he himself has now scored five goals in stoppage time, which is just, <laughs> just amazing. It's a new Bundesliga incredible, right? For for a player to do this in one season, so um, yeah. Just uh, your thoughts. If I don't know if you've seen the replay, but the the free kick was it deflected? Uh, should have um, Castiles had it. What? Well, I, What's your I, take on that? The problem is for Castells, who is also in 
my top three goalkeepers in the Bundesliga this season. I, I don't think you can put it on him because his wall is that little bit further back than he's expecting, meaning that his time to react is even yes, less. Super minimal. That's correct. Yeah. As as well. But the funny thing is Alcacer didn't really have that good a game. Like he wasn't helped by the, the uh, w one thing with Marius Wolf I find is that <laughs> he's he's attempting the same spectacular things that came off when he had a lot of confidence at Eintracht Frankfurt um which he's trying now like trying to play long ball forwards to uh to quite small players uh, up top which is not really what Favre wants he wants the ball to stay on the floor he wants it to stay on the deck for as long as possible that's that's part of the way it goes so and I, 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 a couple of occasions when Wolf lofted balls forward and you can't blame Alcacer because that, that's not what he does. He's just not built that way. He's an exceedingly good technical player, I think, with his back to goal, which I think is underrated a little bit. Um, but up to that point on Saturday, Alcacer had taken one free kick, which was a lot closer to the corner flag than it was to the goal. Uh, and the other one, because <laughs> such is the way I think the democracy works between him and Rafael Guerrero, it was like, well, your last free kick was that bad. So I think this one's going to be mine. <laughs> um, and Guerrero's was was OK, but on target. But yeah, in, in fact, when um, when when Dortmund got that free kick in the 90th minute, I, I, I would have thought that Witzel, such was the goal he scored against Leipzig from the, from the corner, I thought he would have probably been a prime candidate just to thump it as hard as possible. But when things are going for you, they're going for you. Um, and, and perhaps, and perhaps he, he'd earned that, that little bit of, of fortune in, in that way. I, I wouldn't say it was a classic game, but you know, such is the thing for, for goal scorers sometimes that these things tend to go for you. Yes, definitely. I mean, Bayern hit the post, I think, uh, with, with uh, two minutes 30 of, of uh, injury time already on the board and uh, could have easily won this game in Freiburg as well. But, you know, just uh, the, the tiny margins. And then, of course, uh, it was nice for Dortmund to actually kill it off in stoppage time and just end the contest with the 2-0. Also a very, uh, yeah, nicely composed counterattack which goes to show what Dortmund can do if they face a team that is not entirely parking the bus. Right. And and there But, were times as well, ju just to add quickly, that there were times in, in the first half and in the second half, I was surprised how deep Wolfsburg sat because they, I've seen them play with more ambition, for example, away at Leverkusen very early in the season. But I think the beating they took at Bayern meant that They were always going to come into this game with a, probably a slightly more defensive approach. Um, but the, there really were times in the first half and the second half where you could have drawn an oval shape around all 20 outfield players. Such was the way that they were all kind of hemmed in to uh, the, the uh, Wolfsburg uh, final third, as it was. So I, I think that's also to be considered that, yeah, you, I mean... You only have to see what Dortmund did to Nuremberg. If anything, Dortmund won probably that game a little too convincingly that it sent a message to the rest of the league saying, if you do open up like that, then Dortmund will tear you to shreds. So that's your problem. And in comparison to a side like Frankfurt, for example, where they can play the ball aerially with their slightly more physical players like Sebastian Allaire, for example, Dortmund don't really have that option. 
So yeah, it, it makes it more difficult. And I, 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 I'm reticent to really criticise Dortmund too much for the way they went about their business on Saturday, apart from maybe playing with a little bit more tempo early on. But when you get the result like that, then can you fault them? Not really. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it looked a little stale at times from both right. teams where just, you know, everyone who's not on the board was just standing around just waiting for something to happen magically, which usually does not. But um Regardless, Archie, um, did you make anything out of the symbolism that uh, the yellow wall was uh, celebrating fatherhood, family? You know, the, the basically <laughs> the tradition of of uh, bringing things down your your lineage, uh, like the fandom of Borussia Dortmund and Marco Royce being absent while his uh, wife or I think girlfriend, I don't know if they married, uh, was in labor. I I didn't, but actually I'm annoyed at myself now because it's a very good point. Um, it's a very good point. Uh, the, the symbolism, Archie, and 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 someone on Twitter pointed out that Marco Royce uh, had played 1909 Bundesliga minutes. Right, right. <laughs> before his child was born this season. Right. So much symbolism. That. Um, yeah. Like that, and and the the other statistic that amazed me this weekend was that Alcacer is eight goals behind his um, is, is seven goals behind his expected goals tally, and Robert Lewandowski is eight goals um, behind his. Sorry, sorry, I'll start that again. Lewandowski <laughs> Lewandowski is eight goals behind where he should be according to XG, uh, and Alcacer is seven in front, um, which is some which is some numbers. Um, but yeah, the Royce thing, when I saw that, I, I thought people, people like yourself would be all over that. Um, and um, yeah, I, the, 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 the choreo was spine tingling. Um, so the, I, th I think there's something for the simplicity to it as well, but particularly the scale of it was really so impressive um, that, yeah, as, 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 as you say, some, some really touching symbolism. Um, but, I'm I'm in awe of uh, the guys on the Zitribuna who actually put these things together um, and make them go as slickly as they did because to not only get it up so quickly, um, but then <laughs> everyone's able to then still watch the game like within 30 seconds of kickoff <laughs> is 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 no small feat. But yeah, like artistic work on it. Um, what and, I find so, so, so um, what I found so impressive impressive is also um, this is clearly a photo they copied right, right. Uh, that you can still make out in in very detail who these people are. Like I don't know them personally, but you know, you know, this wasn't just you know nobodies, but but people who may be known amongst other fans or or just you know. It, it's it's a popular picture. It's just you know the scale of of detail to paint that on on such a large linen is is also very impressive to me. Right. So hats off to to all the uh, boys and girls who who spent afternoons, I guess, uh, to to yeah draw this up, and all the uh, nice little uh, crowd blockers, let's call them, from the Stadion Rote Erde in, in the background or the yellow wall 
or wherever. I, I don't I don't actually know if it was supposed to be the Yellow Wall or or Schalen Rote Erde. I actually never thought about it. But to me it was more Schalen Rote Erde than than uh, the Westfalenstadion. But regardlessly, um it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's equally impressive either way. So um with all that being said, Archie however, the, the star of the <laughs> afternoon was the little pigeon. <laughs> <coughs> so please tell our listeners who who might have not seen the game the couple people what was going on there so my attention was first drawn to this in about 15 minutes in when the ball went down to the corner flag next to uh, the near hand side um As, as as you look out from the TV camera view and to the Zoo Tribune, when uh, Rafael Guerrero went in for a challenge, I think it was with Jerome Roussillon, and suddenly, as as Guerrero tried to take the ball past Roussillon, <laughs> something popped up from the ground, and you're like, either the groundsman's done a really dodgy job here, or no, it's a pigeon. Um, <laughs> and then from there, instead of kind of watching the game, which let, let's face it in the first half was a bit attritional, shall we say. I did kind of keep an eye on how the pigeon was doing and the pigeon just stayed there for the rest of the first half. At wait, half wait, time. For, for, for a second, can we please talk about <laughs> how Rafael Guerrero lifted his arms up to say it wasn't me. It was not a foul, but not to what the Wolfsburg player, but basically to what the, the referee, uh, to what the pigeon signaling the referee that he in fact did not harm the pigeon. That really goes to show how, how subconsciously this move is among footballers that they just, you know, try to signal they did not commit a foul. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning I didn't. To, to say I did not step on the pigeon here. I, well, I, I was going to say, I saw, I saw Roman Burke water the pigeon. At half time, although that sounds like a euphemism, um, so perhaps let's not go too much further into that. Um, but yeah, I I I didn't see that. Um, I didn't see that from Guerrero to the referee. Um, I didn't have the benefit of a TV monitor in front of me. But but um yeah, the pigeon swapped sides um, for the second half, and then it went and fluttered next to Lucien Favre, um, and then it and then it went and had a little spell next to Bruno Labbadia. Um, and and then I lost sight of it in about half an hour before the end, so I had to start watching the game again. Um, I, which, I, I think it's probably it a good time. Ended up in in the in the goal in front of the Zoo Tribune just like minutes before Alcasa scored that goal. <laughs> like it was within the net. I... <laughs> so what you're saying is it was a sign. Yeah, it must have been a sign. So I urge our listeners to to comment either on Twitter or Facebook what exactly all this means and who, who this pigeon might have been. Maybe it was a re reincarnation. Uh, no, that's not the right word. Reincarnation. <laughs> Jail the pigeon. Wow. Okay. All right. We. I. I, I will not be pigeonholed here. <laughs> oh. Wow. I got a tweet. I got a tweet from um, from one Hanover fan uh, uh, saying that he wasn't a pitch invader; that he was in fact a pigeon invader, which is disastrous. But and it, disastrous in in the way that I was also quite jealous that I hadn't come up with it myself. 
Um, but well, well, yeah. anyway, for for um, the uh, endeavor to find the symbolism behind the pigeon, I want everyone listening to pigeon. So, <laughs> oh, okay. <sighs> Do you want to anyway, move on? <laughs> before Archie lays another egg, maybe this is a good moment to end this little talk. So, Archie, thanks for coming on and and talk with me about this game and uh, its surroundings. Um, one final question I had for you is whether the uh, players or Dortmund officials had anything interesting after the game. I certainly can remember that they did. So if there was anything that I missed, please speak now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Actually, thanks, thanks for, for coming on. Uh, after your uh, hard, uh, tough weekend of, of hard labor. On Not the at all. Not at all, pal. Pleasure. And yeah, very fortunate to be heading to Munich next weekend to see this, uh, see this top of the table and potentially title decider. Who, who knows what's going to happen I don't think there. it's going to be a title decider and maybe because just, I don't know. I wouldn't trust Dortmund with a five-point lead and I wouldn't trust Bayern with a one-point lead. So I don't think it's going to be a decider, but it's going to be a big clash. I'm very excited about it. And I think you might... I don't know if you're more excited than me about this, but uh, it's been a while since the Bundesliga had something like a real, you know, neck-and-neck -neck title race. Am I overstating this if I'm saying it's the biggest the biggest game between these two in terms of significance probably since the Champions League final? No. No. I mean there were a couple of cup finals, I think, in between. Right. But I think this is bigger because the Bundesliga is more meaningful than the cup. Right. And I think that Bayern seem to be in a in a place right now which they weren't in under under Pep Guardiola you still got the the feeling that whatever happened net the, the the following season that they were still going to wipe the floor with Dortmund in the in the course of a league format but the fact that Dortmund can go five points clear with six games to go next weekend is 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 really what like a huge opportunity but also the fact that they can go to Munich and be happy with a draw as well um so, so before I talk through what happens after each result, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's a really exciting prospect, particularly to see how this Bayern side reacts as well. Um, I, I think because we've seen these Bayern players hit greater heights in terms of performance levels under previous coaches, they can be underestimated a little bit. Um, But certainly the way that I think Joshua Kimmich as a character is growing, for example, I see him as a future Germany captain, um, for example. I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how they are going to rally, particularly after what happened against Liverpool and also the way that they ran out of steam against Dortmund in the second half uh, back Uh, during the first half of the season um, of, of the game where they lost 3-2. Um, I, I think Bayern will come out all guns blazing in the first half uh, in, on Saturday. I don't think one should expect them to be out of form or anything. I think that's going to be the best possible Bayern. 
right now. And I think this is still a very scary prospect, especially considering that Dortmund have not done all too well in, in recent weeks. Like they've got a couple of good results, but, uh, I'd say that the game against Hatter, for example, was by no means like their best performance. So I, sure. I, I still think that on, on this day, Bayern's form can be better and more brutal than, than Dortmund's. Sure, but the best first half, or I would say, sorry, the, the best first half and the worst first half that I think each side has played this season was that first half of the game back at the Westfalen Stadion. Um, and bit, I, I look at the way that Dortmund learned from that, potentially in the, in the two games against Tottenham. I mean, different equations both times in terms of what Dortmund needed from the result. But that's probably the only time where they played a similar quality opponent as Bayern this season. Um, particularly in that away game at, at Spurs, they more than held their nerve for the first half. It was only in the second half when actually <laughs> you would expect this team to grow stronger. Um, and they didn't have Marco Royce. Um, that actually um, they fell apart, particularly at set pieces. So that there have certainly been a few lessons of maturity that the sides had to learn this season. But intrigued how they're going to step out in Munich. Well, I certainly can't wait and uh, we will, before this game, have a, a couple more episodes to talk about this game. But actually, I wanted to have you on just because um, I wanted an eyewitness from uh, this game uh, in particular because um, the atmosphere and, you know, all all the um, stories in intertwined around this game were just... Uh, very special that I, I thought, even though it was against Wolfsburg, who are, who are usually a very dull and boring club and uh, don't have much to offer in, in terms of stories around the game itself, um, I thought this game still uh, deserved You be that, nice so. about Wolfsburg. <laughs> you be nice about Wolfsburg. They well, have a fantastic anthem which rattles out at the VW Arena before every game. And if, people, and, the, and if people don't know what I'm talking also about... Very nice. <laughs> Immer nur du. Go search that out on YouTube. Cracking tune. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but by that standard, uh, we can also praise Hoffenheim for their great uh, rollout music. But uh, before before I do that, it's time to end the show, Archie, and uh, relieve you of your uh, duties and wish you a good night. So thanks again for coming on. Please tell our listeners how to get in touch with you on the Twitter. Sure. Um <clears throat> sure. I'll try and say that in a slightly deeper voice. <laughs> um, uh, I can be found on Twitter at ArchieRT and then the number one. Very well. Please go follow Archie. You will learn a lot about the Bundesliga and his trips around Germany. And uh, this is all from us for now. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. At YellowWallPod is our Twitter and Facebook channel where we are expecting your pigeon stories. And um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud and all your other means and podcatchers until, I don't know, tomorrow, the next couple of days. Talk to you then. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, as always. <laughs>